Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Mom Hour. I am Sarah Powers here, as always, with Megan Francis. Hey, Megan. Hey, Sarah. So here we are. We have taken a couple week break from recording. So this feels I don't like... remember how to do this. <laughs> what do we do? What do we do? Well, we ease back in slowly with a really fun conversation. Um, today is Sunday. That means it's a more than mom episode. Those, if you're not familiar, those are our episodes where we set aside parenting and motherhood advice and take a topic that just feels like something we want to talk about. We're all over the map. And today we are talking about our mutual love of libraries through the years. And I, I think it's so funny when we were putting together the outline for this story, how many different libraries I could remember very clearly. It was surprising to me, actually. So this is another one of those episodes that I give you full credit for the idea for. I, I texted you a picture a couple months ago at the beginning of the summer because I actually took my kids to the library I grew up going to, which is a itty bitty branch of a more medium sized library system. And you immediately were like, Oh my gosh, I can remember exactly what my childhood library looked like. And you know, we should talk about all this, but we have uncovered many thoughts about not yes. just the childhood <laughs> libraries, but the role libraries have played, um, throughout our lives. And then as becoming moms and taking our kids to the library. So this is going to be really fun. And we know we have a yeah. ton of book loving listeners out there. So just consider this like a cozy, a cozy walk down memory lane. And I'm sure you guys will be, you know, remembering your own, having your own library memories just pop up those things that we tuck away and don't think about. And then you're like, oh my gosh, the <laughs> microfiche or whatever. Yes. Yes. Sarah, we both know this time of year can be crazy. So this is a great time to get ahead with no prep, no mess meals from our sponsor factor. I love how these meals are ready to eat and delivered right to your door. I mean, you can't beat that convenience, but most importantly, they're seriously delicious. Yeah, Megan, I agree. Our whole family was impressed with the quality and flavor of Factor Meals we tried. And it turned out to be a great option for my teenagers when they got home late from a theater practice or came home from school super hungry. There's zero prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Factor Meals just need to be heated for about two minutes and they're ready to go. Yeah, and for any listeners with wellness goals this month, Factor has six menu preferences to support your lifestyle, whether you're trying to boost your protein, avoiding meat, or simply focusing on well-balanced meals. And you can pause or reschedule deliveries to fit your lifestyle. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. Head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code MOMHOUR50 at factormeals.com slash MOMHOUR50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, we're all comparing notes on our favorite product. 
Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from our place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built-in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the Forever Chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's fromourplace.com, code MOMHOUR. Okay, so Sarah, one of the reasons I was so excited about this topic is that I remember really clearly the library I went to as a kid, um, probably from about the age, this would have been when I lived in Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan, so up way, way up in the wild north, okay. and uh and I lived there from about the age of three, two or three until I was like 12 and a half. So there was a library called the Bayless Library. And that was like my formative library, which I'm sure you have one of those mm-hmm. as well. But I just remember it so specifically, like not only the smell, I mean, the smell of a library is the best thing ever, but this one had a particularly just memorable smell, but it was kind of this like low slung, very mid-century building. I want to say it was pretty new at the time. So this would have been like early eighties. And I, it looks like it was built in the early seventies to me. It had a sunken area with these like pleather mats with the flip over pull up pillow on the end, you know, so you can kind of sit up against it. Oh yeah. And they were down in this like little sunken area. And so you could get a book and then go lay there on the floor, you know, and read while you're waiting for your mom to finish up or whatever. And when I looked up the Bayless library online, um, after you sent me a picture of your uh, small town library where you were growing up, there was a picture of it. And I swear the color scheme is even the same. Like there were details I had kind of forgotten, but like the um, shelves are staggered. So they weren't like, they weren't all in a line. They were Mm -hmm. like, um, they kind of popped out a little more and a little more as, as you went down and they were blue, yellow, and red. I swear that is exactly what I remember. I remember where the desk was, where the librarian sat on the children's section or in the children's section. I remember what the card catalog looked like, like everything just down to um, just down to like the littlest detail. And it makes me wonder if my kids have the same kind of memories about the libraries they went to. I mean, I think anytime you sort of repeat those visits, you would. You're just absorbing the surroundings without even right. thinking about it. So if you went back there, you think you could walk in and it it would still be the same. I mean, I would think so if you found yeah. a picture of it online. I went there about 20 years ago um, on a visit, maybe a little less than 20 years ago. It might've been when my kids were really little, like maybe when William was a baby. And I do remember feeling like a few things had been moved. Like I was really disoriented by the computers. Like that yeah. kind of bothered me a little bit because those didn't exist when I was And I don't even think we had a, we weren't even one of those libraries. I don't think that had like a little computer section in the eighties. It was like all card catalog. You did not look stuff up using a, um, a monitor. And that was a little disorienting. And I feel like they had moved the adult section around somehow, but otherwise, yeah, it felt, it felt the same. It smelled the same that like, it's like this yellow brick on the outside and kind of has that feeling of a very mid-century building. It was very recognizable. And what would a library visit have looked like when you were in those like elementary school years? Your mom taking you and she's off looking for her own books or? Yep. She would be off looking for her own books. And I would be like, I think I was given a limit for how many I could get because otherwise I would have probably checked out, you know, 25 books. I want to say like I have four or five. And so I kind of had this weird little system. I would always have like probably two fiction books And then I would just go find really random books. Um, And it would be stuff like I would just wander the stacks. And the nice thing about it being so small um, is that it's really easy to find like the way there weren't that many books. So it was easy to find and choose books. And it wasn't really overwhelming where there's like a million books packed in. And so I would pick out like I remember uh, checking out a book about becoming a marionette. And I really thought I would become (laughs) a professional baton twirler. 
And the book was written like in the 60s and it said funny things like, you know, you don't you shouldn't have zits because nobody wants a pimply girl as a marionette. I mean, oh stuff like gosh. totally out of like a very anti-feminist 60s book. But but I would read these books about stuff like that and think, oh, this is what I'm going to. I remember checking out one about starting a dog walking business, like all of these random nonfiction books. And those are actually some of the f- most fun things I remember about that library is I never knew. I would just look at something and go, this looks cool. And that was what I would check out. My mom would be off doing her thing. And then when she was done, she'd come find me and we would check out. And usually I'd be there with at least one sibling. Um, but but there was also a lot of time I spent just kind of lying around reading. I remember yeah. my mom must have been doing the same thing in her section. And so I would just, yeah, I just get comfy. I love it so much. Yeah. Well, what about I, you? I did just revisit mine. So these are fresh memories. So um, I grew up in Santa Barbara and then I grew up in Montecito, which is like a little village that has never incorporated. It's not its own city. So it is part of Santa Barbara, but it's it's very self-contained. Like it's like a small town. Mm. And um, it the branch there is a branch of the Santa Barbara Public Library, which is actually like a pretty good mid-sized city. It has several branches and the central library downtown Santa Barbara is really big and Um, but the Montecito branch is, it looks like a house. It looks like a little craftsman house. And it is, I mean, it's so cliche to say when I walked in, it seemed so much smaller. I knew it was small, but it is so small. Um, the children's section (laughs) is one room. It's like almost the size of maybe a large bedroom. It's like the size of your bedroom, Megan, maybe like with a little bit bigger. And so it's just shelves all around and windows. I'll put a picture in the show notes because I was just there and it has not changed at all. And a couple of funny memories that came back. And my mom reminded me of this too, is the librarian was named Mrs. Young. And she was, I mean, this again is mid eighties and she was like straight out of probably the early seventies in her clothing and hairstyle. And she seemed ancient, which means she was probably 55, but she seemed like a <laughs> hundred years old. And she just, yeah. she just was grumpy. And that's kind mm-hmm. of a recurring thing with librarians. I mean, there are children's librarians who are, of course, amazing and nurturing. And we probably have like as many positive librarian memories as we do the other, but there is that, there is the dark side the of a librarian. The grumpy, yes. Yes. And she was, I remember being so intimidated to go up and ask a question or check out my own book. And I wasn't a particularly I was a pretty comfortable kid around adults. Like I, it never bothered mm-hmm. me to go up and order an ice cream cone at a window or anything. I didn't have shyness about that, but I remember being so just afraid she was going to be mean and that she was yeah. kind of mean. So that's my memory of Mrs. Young. Um, and you know, I'm trying to think of when, obviously we went to the library. I have memories of it. I want to say that the books I was reading came from either my school library or my mom bought me a lot of books for a while, paperbacks, you know, Babysitter's Club and Sweet Valley Twins. And so I just went through them so fast. So I actually don't have a lot of memories of the, like the, like you said, the browsing and the checking out. So I'm not sure mm-hmm. what that was. I'm, I'm sure I did it. I just don't have as clear a memory of that as I do with some of my later libraries, but that's, that's mine. And it is still okay. there. I have to ask you about this because as you were talking about the grumpy librarian, I remember we had one who was nice and one who was grumpy. I don't really remember anything else about them except that you always hoped you got the nice one. Right. And I also remember the process of checking out. Like you remember when you pulled the little card, like, do you remember when you ever checked out the same book twice and it could have been the school library Mm -hmm. or whatever. Yes. And you would see your own name from like a year earlier. I always thought that was so cool. And that's something that, you know, kids don't really get to experience anymore. Uh, Maybe in school libraries, they still do, but not in uh, ours. I am our school librarian and you're like, nope. (laughs) And then the other thing um, that I remember about checking out. So I had a little cardboard card. I think my my mom hung on to it most of the time, but then I got to hold it like when I was in the library but I remember there being something metal, like a little metal chip, either in the card you used to check out okay. or maybe I have to like, if any listeners know what I'm talking about, please. It was like a little, it kind of looked like a little embedded chip of some sort. And it wasn't like electronic at all. I think it was almost more like one of those old fashioned credit card sca- uh-huh. uh, swiper things where maybe it made an impression on something. Oh. So I'm going to need to look into like old, you know, library checkout technology back before computer times. Cause there was, I definitely remember that. And I wish I could remember what it was I was doing. I'm sure that is a thing. Um, I also want to mention, I was going to mention it at some point, but I read the book, the library book this summer, which is a nonfiction yeah. book about the history of libraries. And that just reminded me, cause there's so much cool stuff about how the technology around checking out books has changed so many times and how big libraries had to adapt. So anyway, I'll link that up, but I won't say more now, but I'm sure that's in there too. Okay. So I just madly Googled really quick. Cause I do that. 
that. And there are pictures of old library cards and they have like a metal plate at the bottom. And what it looks like is that must be your number. Like, I think that might be your library card number or something. And then maybe it gets stamped onto the card that they, because remember they'd pull the card out of the card catalog and then they would um, check. That's how they checked you out. Yes. And maybe they stamped your number onto the card. Oh, okay. 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 So, I don't know. Oh my gosh. We're dating. And we're then they had the rubber ourselves. stamp. Yeah. had the rubber stamp to date the, to that date rotates, the, the rotates, right? Like when you yes, push it, rotates. then there's, yes, yep. yes. I feel like those uh, only went, I feel like that stuck around for a while, that date stamp. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Well, we should probably move on, but we're still staying in childhood. Um, okay. So let's just talk briefly and I can go first this time, but let's talk about the libraries in our schools, elementary junior high, high school, just whatever memories come to mind. Um, And I can go first. My elementary school library was up a flight of stairs above the school office. And what's funny is I go back to my hometown quite a bit and I have been back to my elementary school more than once. So I've seen the campus. Um, It's changed a lot. They've done a lot of additions. I think there's like a media center library now, but I don't think I've been up those stairs to what used to be the school library since I was in sixth grade. It just was one of the parts of the school I you can't really access going back. And so it's a very fixed memory. Um, and it, I remember, I think we had two, two school librarians or maybe they were just volunteers like I am at our school now. Um, and I remember I loved classroom visits to the library. I, I loved them. And I, I remember checking out um, novels and series. And I, I have a memory of sitting on the stairs that led down from that library reading almost like I just couldn't wait to get into it. So I just sat yeah. down. Like I just couldn't, I just <laughs> like plopped down before I even got back to my classroom. So I have very happy memories of that. Um, junior high, we had a big, beautiful library and I, I don't remember how we used it. I remember going and learning the Dewey Decimal System. It seems like every, always in school, you were being sort yeah. of taught how to use a library. Um, and then in high school, I went to high school during a di- like an interesting time in terms of the internet and technology, like in the mid nineties, mid and into the late nineties, because internet research and CD-ROM encyclopedias, remember that? So like electronic, yeah. electronic research was becoming a thing, but the internet wasn't very fast yet or very available. So I do remember some of that. And one of my memories from high school is we took a field trip in high school, probably with my AP English class to the university library at UCSB, which is like a major university research library and just being like blown away. Like it just, the, the <laughs> yeah. sheer size of it um, was something like I had never experienced. So yeah, I mean, I just, I think that's, those are the ones that come to mind for me. Um, okay. So for me, my elementary school library, what I remember is it being teeny 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 we with our building was like an old like i want to say 1910 1920s building something like that so it had that feel like a two story brick you know traditional yep. school building with the linoleum floors and all that um or the i don't even know if it was linoleum but you know what i'm talking mm-hmm. like the hard like speckly floors mm-hmm. and all i remember is that the library was tucked away like right beside a stairwell like i feel like in my memory it almost feels like a harry potter like under the stairs. Ooh. <laughs> and mine was at the top of the stairs. So it wasn't, a, it was not like that, but in my mind, that's what I remember. Cause I remember almost feeling like I was going into this little hidey place to get my books. Now, what I don't remember, first of all, I don't think there's any way they fit all the kids in there at once. So they must've taken us down in groups. And I think we were able to check out like a book or two at a time. So the actual compared to my mom taking me to the library and like free for all, it was kind of uninspired. I think I would go in with an idea already what I wanted to get and get it. But I just remember having this cool feeling to it. Um, Junior high, I don't remember anything about my school library, except that at one point I checked out like a teen romance novel (laughs) and it was so dirty. Like there were things in this book I did not know were a thing at all. Oh, also and you I should didn't... mention that you are at this point, are you extra young for your grade or was yes, that not until was... high school? Well, no, I was, yeah, I was extra young. So I was in seventh grade. I was 11 years old. Yeah. So I checked out a book that was like soft core porn, like honest to God, like the stuff in this book, I would be embarrassed <laughs> to read now. And I faced this like dilemma. Like I didn't know what to do. First of all, I knew my name was on it. Like I knew later if someone else checked it out, they were going to see my name written in the yeah. thing, you know, and they were going to know what I had done. Like they were going <laughs> to know I had read it. I felt like I was going to get busted. Like I kept thinking to myself, some librarian is going to figure out this was supposed to get returned to the high school. 
and it got returned to the junior high and I have it and they're going to come find me. But then I was also really intrigued and I think I read it like three times. So anyway, that is my memory from the junior high library, like not wanting to return it and be seen with it in my right. hand. It was just, like this very, like when I chuck it over the wall, like, yes, <laughs> like it, it was a classically like seventh grade experience, like all the awkwardness of adolescence mixed up with a book. I just didn't know what to do. Um, eighth grade was when I lived, I lived just briefly in a small town where my aunt was the librarian. Oh, of that's the, cool. Of, yes, it was cool, except my mom would get her and her fellow librarians to spy on me because my mom did not want me reading the flowers in the attic mm-hmm. books, the which series. I read in um, junior high. Yes. I was not allowed to check them out. So I would go stand in the stacks and read and then move around. So if like anybody saw me. I was just like constantly moving because I wanted to read them, but I wasn't allowed to take them out. So that was something else. Um, so that's another oh memory. So I have all these like intrigue memories up until about high school. And that is when I would say high school became really less like the experience of going to the library stopped really having anything to do with books because that is when we discovered all the technology. So for yeah. us, I was more, you know, early 90s. I graduated in 94. So this was all early 90s. Um but up until that point, I had never seen one of those computer-based databases. It wasn't internet, really. It was intranet, right. I guess. Yes. But it had the, the abstracts from the books and the studies, and I was blown away by that, which is so funny because within a couple of years, I was surfing the web. Like, right. And I would look back at that and go, like, that was so lame. Um, and microfiche and microfilm, like, I remember when I was introduced to that how magical I thought that was, that you could look at any newspaper or any magazine they had on file back to, you know. decades yeah and you could like to me that was like the way that was like the future and I just remember having such a cool feeling about that so I feel like I don't know if you felt like this in high school but I feel like in junior high and high school in I don't know if it was English classes or history classes but often there would be a research or project research paper or project assigned that pretty much was the sole purpose of which was really to force you to force use you. these, yes. u- these yep. different modes of research. And, you know, looking back, I, I'm glad little did we know it was all going to become so dated and so yeah. irrelevant, but it still was like a, it was like, do this research project, but you're really doing it in order to learn how to access this information in different ways. Microfiche. I mean, I remember going to the big, the bigger public library in downtown Santa Barbara to use microfiche. And I don't even remember what I did the paper on, but I had to use microfiche. So they would sort of you know, they set it up it. so that yep. you would have to, which is interesting. I think so too. And I actually think it, it, it made me, it made us work harder. Like we had to kind of, we had to use all these systems we weren't familiar with and we couldn't just kind of like do a lazy search and, and do the world book encyclopedia that we had at right. home from yeah, we, <laughs> 10 we, years we couldn't really game We couldn't really game the system. Now I will say, I do remember a few times, I'm going to admit to something terrible, writing entire papers just based on abstracts. Like I was supposed to take the abstract. Right. And use that to look up the actual article. Mm-hmm. But if you if you were um, strategic about it, you could find abstracts that had several paragraphs. Mm-hmm. And you could, in theory, I'm not saying I would ever do this, <laughs> but you could, in theory, write entire papers where you never looked up the actual source. Yeah, I think I may have a couple of times. You may that. have seen an opportunity for efficiency. <laughs> hey, okay. I like that. I like that. Um, yeah. That is so funny. I'm just having a memory also of bibliography. Do you remember how, how strict bibliographies were about yes. how different types of, and I, I know kids do still learn to do bibliographies. My upper elementary school kids still have to do them, but the rules about what you know, a newspaper Indenting article and, and italics and commas. Yes. It was, yes. it was like high science or something. I think I kind of mm-hmm. liked it cause I like rules. So it's like, okay, tell me the rules. Like, let me see if I can follow them. But and for so me, funny. writing the works cited page was always the worst part of right. any, right. Cause it really, any assignment, it has no point really. I mean, right. unless you're actually making a scholarly paper, but right. Yeah. Okay. That's so funny. Well, should we move on to college? I told you sure. before we recorded this, that I had much to say, but why don't you go first? Well, mine is for, is, is more limited. So the first, I, I have two memories specific to college. The first one is the first time I walked into my, my, um, state university they went to into the library and being like, what this, it was like so huge. And I was just blown away by the size. Now I don't remember using the library because it wasn't Dewey decimal. And I did not know how to why deal. Why wasn't it? I think there some colleges use a different system. So my college did not have the Dewey Decimal System. It was a different library system. And I can't remember the name of it now. 
And I never got used to it because we were indoctrinated yeah. on, um, on how to use Dewey decimal. And then suddenly, <laughs> you know, suddenly it's like a totally different thing. And it was these longer numbers, I want to say, but without the letters, I don't remember what it was, but definitely my college experience was disoriented, disorienting in that way. And then I don't remember spending a whole lot of time there. But then when I went back to school, when Jacob was a baby, um, I was at a community college that had a very nice new, very new library with a really nice computer lab and a really nice, um, just like a, like a nice research area, just like a nice hangout area. And so if I ever had a class and then I had any excuse to hang around on campus and not go home between classes, yeah. I would totally hang out in there and play around on the internet. And I just remember thinking like, it felt like a little, I was sneaking away because mm -hmm. I had a year old baby at mm -hmm. the time and I had spent a very intensive first year with him. And now suddenly I had this like excuse to not go home because I could always be like, well, I'm studying I'm at or the well, library. <laughs> I'm at the library. And I would just be like, you know, playing around on the internet and reading magazines. But, um, but it was also the first real experience I had with a really up-to-date, like state-of-the-art library that was all about really internet. Yeah. And that was new at the yeah. time. I don't feel like, like libraries were shifting to that, but not a lot were there yeah. yet. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, at Northwestern, there's the big, the big library and it is really ugly. I don't think it's been changed. It was built. It's like just a big cement block inside yeah. though. Very functional. I mean, it's a big you know, university research library. I do. I remember people going there to study. I don't ever remember checking out books there. Actually, I would go sometimes with people to study after dinner just to, you know, use the, you could even get rooms to study in with your friends. If you were studying for an exam, um, I remember a 24 hour, a section that was open 24 hours a day. And I was never really like an all night studier. Um, mm -hmm. but I remember being in there a couple of times and just being like, these are the people who are, this is a special breed of person. And yeah. there was like, there was like one area, I think. And then there was like a room where you could eat and there was vending machines. Then you couldn't eat in the library. So it was these people who were literally spending all night in the library. And I just remember kind of being creeped out by it. Like what, like, what is this? But, but wasn't that like, don't you feel like pop culture has so many, like, yes. I mean, maybe you don't remember this from the eighties cause you didn't watch a lot of movies in the eighties, but I feel like there was always a scene that took place with like late night studiers. Yes. Well, and I had all the, the I wanted the romantic looking where there's the little green lamps hanging over yep. the table, you know? And so I'll get to that. Cause I did have some of that too. Northwestern has a couple other libraries, including the, the university's original library, which is totally the pretty stained glass. And I think they use it for like archival stuff. So it's not as, okay. it's not really the functional library. You can go there and study. And I did that a few times. It's called Deering library and it's really beautiful. Um, but then I spent my junior year abroad at Oxford, which is basically there are more libraries in that town per capita probably than anywhere. I don't know if you know how the Oxford and Cambridge work differently. They have separate colleges. So it's the university oh, okay. and then kind of like Harry Potter, like being in a house, you're in a, you're in a college and the colleges are kind of self-contained. So it's really like a university made up of 18 or 20 or 25 separate colleges, each one of which has their own library. And then there are some other libraries. Um, and I probably went to more libraries that year. Um, I didn't have, a, I had a very small room. And so the library was where I studied and where I did stuff. You could use the photocopiers, you could pull stuff for research. I got all my books out of the library. So I was a very active library user. I got to study in the Bodleian library, which I thought was built in like the year 1100, but I just looked it up and it is more like 1600, Ugh. but it is still <laughs> like one I mean, of the most old. Mm -hmm. It's like one of the most famous libraries in the world. And at the time, students could just go in and study. I remember they had like higher security and stuff. And I only went in there to study a few times just for the experience of it. But I have one more Oxford library story. And this is funny. Um, I fell asleep one time in this library. I want to say it was like a student center library. And in the winter, it gets dark really early, really early. I mean, like probably like northern Michigan. I don't know what the latitude would be, but like by three by three, it's getting dark. And by like 345, it's almost nighttime. Okay. Um, no, I think we get a little more tight time than that. Okay. Here. So this would <laughs> yeah, have been- Even in Northern Michigan, it's not quite that bad. So this would have been mid-December. So like a week before I was yeah. going to head home for Christmas break and I fell asleep in the library at like 2.30. I did with my head on my desk and I woke up and it was <laughs> pitch dark outside. And I was oh like, gosh. oh my gosh, where, where am I? 
and what has happened. Like, I really thought it was like, it felt like the middle of the night and I looked at my watch and I was like, oh, it's 4.15 or something. Oh Some, my gosh, sometime. that is so funny. So yeah, that was very, uh, lots of like Shakespeare and poetry being read in pretty I'm sure libraries. It was a, it was a high time for those. I'd love to go back and actually go into some of those libraries again, but it was a fun time. So I just looked it up because I couldn't help myself. It's the library of Congress classification system. Okay. It's not the Dewey decimal system. It is, it is um, popular in colleges and I was wrong that there, there are letters, but they're like a lot of numbers. It's yeah. like, so one of the numbers they're giving is LB two. Three nine five point C six five nineteen ninety one like lots and lots of numbers. Okay, and it's confusing to me. I, I definitely, I definitely see Library of Congress IDs on all books. Like I think all books have them. I just didn't know. I didn't know it was a thing to have to like eschew the <laughs> the doing yeah. this decimal system in favor of the other. Hmm. Yeah. Ugh. Well, I can't say I liked it. All right. We are welcoming back Vionic as a sponsor today. And Sarah, I will be honest, I was sorting through my warmer weather wardrobe the other day and it could seriously use a refresh, but you know what's good to go? My shoes. I've got a great selection to choose from thanks to the Vionic Vitals collection. And lately the pair I keep putting on again and again is the Uptown Loafer. I have two pairs, one in sand suede and the other in camel leather, but please don't make me pick a favorite. Oh, I won't. I'll let you keep both. That's so funny, Megan, because I was a little jealous of your Uptown loafers. I was the last one on our team to get a pair, but I just did. I also got mine in the sand suede, and I think I've worn them like four times this week. They really finish off a cute spring outfit. The Vionic Vitals collection has the best essential styles for everyday wear to get you ready for spring. And no matter what shoes you choose, you'll be on the go in comfort because every single pair of Vionic shoes delivers their trademark Viomotion technology for a difference you can feel. Vionic sandals, sneakers, and flats all offer incredible support, stability, and cushioning, and every pair comes with a 30-day risk-free trial, so it's easy to try them out. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at Vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Vionic Shoes. Wearable well-being for your feet. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya Health, makes a kid's daily multivitamin that parents can feel great about giving their kids because they have no added sugars or dyes. And our kids who have tried Haya vitamins have loved them, which is important, right? Because what good is a bottle of vitamins that your kid won't take? Haya was founded by two dads who didn't like the ingredients label on some of the popular children's vitamins they were seeing on store shelves, so they got to work developing a formula that would help fill the most common nutrient gaps in modern kids' diets. Haya's chewable kids' vitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free. Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician-recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H.com slash MomHour and get your kids the full-body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. All right. So we've established that there were many libraries of our youths up through <laughs> college. And you mentioned you became a mom relatively young. And so college and then was new motherhood for you. But in prepping for this episode, we realized we both went through kind of a period of time where we all of a sudden didn't go to the library as much. So maybe talk about when that period of time was for you and how you kind of got back into libraries. Well, when Jacob was little, I definitely did not, like I said, I didn't go to like the public library to read as much. I was kind of hanging out in the, in the college library, but for a different, a very different reason. And I would say when he got to be kind of toddler aged, I started again. But then once I had three kids, I stopped and I would kind of go in and out. So it'd be like, if I had two little ones, I would go. But in the times when I had like a five or six year old and then like a three or four year old and a baby, and that happened to me twice. Mm -hmm. Uh, no, yeah, <laughs> I didn't go anywhere. Like, but I especially just didn't go to the library. Like I, all the joy in it went out like the, the cost benefit ratio at that point swung way too much toward cost. So there were two separate times in my life. And that would have been when Jacob, it was Jacob, Isaac, Will. And then when it was Will, Owen, Clara, 
that I really didn't go. Yeah. And thinking about that, it's, it's because their, their needs at the library are so different at those stages. It's one thing to take a baby or a toddler to the library. It's a great thing to do. It's free. It's climate controlled. (laughs) It gets you out of the house. But then when you all of a sudden have a kid who's really wants to read or wants you to read to them, like a kindergartner or first grader, and you also have a crawling baby. Yeah. And and I would feel like it was a bummer for the oldest because Mm -hmm. they didn't get what they wanted. And I was just chasing the three-year-old because, you know, there's always like a Thomas the Tank Engine track set or whatever. And like that's, so that's kind of occupying the toddler, but then you've got a baby and it's, to me, it was just like super stressful. And I I also would say that when I got, when I got a Kindle and then all the kids kind of started getting reading devices and they all had access to their school libraries, Mm -hmm. um, I would find it harder to get in the routine because they already had books coming into the house from school. Yeah. And I had my own books on my devices and I went through a period where I only read free books on my Kindle, like just only free books mm-hmm. for like two years until I had read all the free books I could find. So I think that it happens. Like there's a, there's a waxing and a waning that happens yeah. pretty naturally, I think. Um, what about you? Well, so mine was really pre-kids, I think, just naturally. Like, I ended college, and I had been a literature major. I had spent (laughs) a lot of time in libraries. And honestly, I've talked about it. I didn't even really read for pleasure that much in for a lot of years, especially not fiction. Um, I think I just burnt out a little bit. And um, so, and I also just, like, there was no reason for me to go to a public library. I didn't have any business there. And if I got a book, it was rare, and I just ordered it on Amazon or picked it up at a bookstore. So from like age 22, um, on for several years, I, I really kind of forgot that libraries were a thing you could do. And I remember, Mm -hmm. so my first is born in April. Um, that first summer in Arizona, she was a newborn, but the second summer she would have been like 14 months old and it's 110 degrees out. And it occurred to me as if it was a completely new idea that I should (laughs) check out the public library. Yeah. Like I, I still thought, I think in my mind, I thought story time sounds like something more for three, four, five year olds. I was a new mom. I didn't know what a library would have for a one year old. And I clearly just, I just didn't know what I didn't know. And so when I, when I went and there was hands-on stuff for her to do and puppets and like programs for babies, I was like, I felt like you guys, like, no one talks about this. Like we should all be going to the library. Well, of course everyone figures that out and there's a great baby programs at public libraries. And I was just like, it felt like a revelation because I had really forgotten how cool they could be. And the Scottsdale public library system where I lived had beautiful libraries because everything is very new there. And the children's sections were beautiful and had stuff for kids to play with. And there were several branches I could even kind of choose as the kids got a little older in Scottsdale, I'd, I'd rotate between a few different branches. And so I did, I got back into it when my kids were little. I mean, I, I hear what you're saying about the difficulty. I think I mostly did it for the free air conditioning in the summer and I didn't put real high expectations on the whole checkout process. We really were going Mm. more for something to do. And it wasn't, I'll talk about this a little later, but it wasn't until we moved here when I felt like I, I could get a handle on actually helping my kids find books that they might want to read. Like we were just using it as an indoor playground basically, but it was great for that when they were little. So that's how I kind of got, got back to it. Mm. Well, I was going to ask like how you feel about children's programming at the libraries and if you ever did any of that when you were little. Of course I did. Of course I did. Every, I think, I mean, like, I feel like everyone has a phase where they try to make that work. Here were the two things that kind of killed it for me. And actually the place I did it the most was here in St. Joe because we have this really cute little, um, uh, library downtown. I lived within walking distance for a lot of the time when, uh, Will, Owen and Clara were little Mm -hmm. like during that whole time. And, and especially when I was pregnant with Clara and I had just moved here and I was looking for something for Will and Owen to do during the day. And so, and my friends, Missy had, um, a little one around the same age as Owen. And so like, it was just a thing that we tried to do. Mm -hmm. And there was two problems I had with it. A, one of them, there was like, we had to, all the parents had to sit in the circle and our, our toddlers all sat on the floor in front of us. And I would always have a, you know, half the time I'd have a baby on my lap or mm-hmm. I was pregnant and they would want us to like sing and stuff. Mm-hmm. And they would say, come on, parents, you too. And I was like, I'm not here for that though. I want my kid to do that. Especially because you were on your fifth kid. I think that's so different. Like I'm so jaded about things like that when I've done them 10 million times, whereas I wouldn't have been. But I even, I feel like I would have felt that way. Even when Jacob, like I'm not the two-year-old. I don't want to sing a song and like do itsy bitsy spider. Like I'll do that at home with my kid, but I want to do it in a circle in front of 20 other parents. And we all felt like idiots. Like, I feel like we all looked around. There were like two who were super enthusiastic 
And the rest of us are kind of half-heartedly in the lady is trying to get us to go. And the other reason, and Missy and I used to joke about this all the time. The other reason we stopped going together, we both dropped out is because of the craft. Oh, wow. They always had a really lame craft and I didn't want to do it. That makes me sound like terrible. No, I don't think so. Because you had to participate, but in the least fun way. Like you had to be the one who stood there and made sure they didn't spill the glue. Yeah. Or like the glitter or made sure that they like the identical snowman to every other kid's snowman had the cotton ball in the right place on the face. And I was like, oh boy. You're like, I'm out. Guys, I'm out. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it was a dropout. not surprisingly or different here, but I also really didn't do a lot of the scheduled story times. And for me, it was more about schedules because I, it always was like, well, that's going to rub up against nap time. Or like we always do that. It was just like, it was too scheduled. And I liked keeping the library as something that we just popped in on. And so, yeah, that's funny. Well then how did you make going to the library with little kids? tolerable, doable? Well, yeah. So it was different times of my life. I almost feel like there was two different phases. So the one when my kids were, um, when my, when Jacob and Isaac were really little, I lived in Lansing and my sister had little kids at the time too. She would have had, let's see, Cecily is a year older than Jake. And then Aaron was three years older than her. So we kind of had these like kids that went ranged in age from like six down to, you know, a baby, um, five or six down to a baby. And so the two of us, and we were both, you know, frazzled moms. Like we both had a lot going on and did not get much, um, time to ourselves. So we would go together and one of us would stay in the children's section and the library had a really nice children's section, as I recall. And we would corral, one of us would corral the kids in the children's section. And then the other one would get like half an hour to go browse books. Oh, that's so awesome. And it felt like, because I was on a different floor, like I couldn't even hear my kids and we were in a completely different area of the library. I felt like I was getting a little break. Like I was browsing at a bookstore, but I was just at the library. So that worked really, really well for a couple of years when you know, during that phase. And then later, I guess I just did it. I mean, when I definitely have gone through phases when like when Clara maybe started crawling, I'm going to guess is probably when I stopped going as much for a while, but we would just go and make it as short as we had to. And, and like, if all we did was play with the trains and not check anything out, that was okay. Um, we really just like, I think like you said, we just tried to use it as something to do, but I think when it was that second set of kids, mm-hmm. I just found myself looking for something to do less than I had with the first set, mostly because I was busy at home. I had a lot yeah. going on. Yeah. And you'd kind um, of probably perfected the systems of yeah. keeping everybody busy, keeping everybody reading. You probably had more right. books at home already. Yeah, we have, yeah, lots of books. And like we just had other things going on. And I was often babysitting other people's kids or they like we were doing a lot of trading off at that time. Um, when my kids were little, I was often trading childcare with mm-hmm. one or more other sets of families. So it just became a lot and it just kind of fell off. It just yeah. kind of fell off the, off the radar. That makes sense. Um, yeah. I was going to ask, have you ever been to big libraries in cities where you've traveled? Like, has that ever come mm-hmm. up or is that something that you like try to do or want to do? I like to do, I really like to look at a library in a city, especially, especially if I'm spending any time there, but like, I haven't done a lot. I, I went to this, the big public library in New York city. Okay. I have never, I mean, that's one, aren't there lions on the steps or is that the museum? Uh Okay. So I believe it's the library that has the lions on the steps. I think I've taken pictures outside, but I've never, and it has all the little green, it has a little green, you know, desk lamps and Uh like there's rooms that are just amazing to be in. But that was like, I went as a tourist. You can't, I don't think you can check anything out from there. Maybe you can, I really don't know, but I just walked around and looked. It was beautiful. Um, if I was in a place where I could easily pop into the public library, I totally would, but I don't make it like, I haven't made a point of it in most places I've gone, I guess. Yeah. I'm trying to yeah. think. I went to the Portland. We For a while, we were spending a lot of time in Portland in the summer, and we were downtown a lot. So I have been to the Portland Public Library, which is beautiful. I mean, I think any large city big public library. The crazy thing is I'm thinking out loud. I don't think I ever went into a public library in Chicago and I lived in the city. I'm yeah. trying to even, you lived in the city. I'm sure you had a neighborhood branch library. We had a neighborhood branch. It was fine. Like I don't remember right. thinking it was especially welcoming or, or great, but it was fine. And it was easy, pretty close to my house. I mean, I think branch so. libraries are, they're, they're, they're very functional and that's what you look to them yeah. for. So that doesn't have mm-hmm. the romantic aspect. And that's where, where we go now in my little suburb is totally a branch library and it's nothing special, but it gets the job done. Gets the job done. Um, that's yeah. kind of disturbing me that I never went to a public library in Chicago. I can't even think, think of where is, the main one is. There oh, is a big terrible. one someplace, but honestly, I don't remember going to it either. I guess when I lived there, it would never have occurred to me yeah. to 
to travel downtown to go there. And when I've been there as a tourist, I've got other stuff going on. So I don't think I have either. Yeah. Um, So that book I mentioned, the library book, is about the central branch of the Los Angeles Public Library, which would only be an hour and change from me here. And after reading the book, I would really, I mean, it's got a crazy history, this particular library, um, and it's really big. And so I think it's kind of cool. Maybe in my next phase of travel, I'll make big city libraries just a stopping point. I mean, they're free. You can just walk in to any of them. Um, yeah. I want to make a, I want to make a a comment about, because I'm sure there are people who love story time and sing alongs and and probably people who like teach it and stuff. So I think what, what occurred to me after I you know, said I didn't like it was like, I'm sure there's mommy and me music classes that I would have found fun, but something about trying to put like story time. All I really wanted was to hear someone read a story to my kid. Mm -hmm. I didn't want all the, I didn't want to have to participate in it in that way. So it was the expectation going in, not knowing that's what I was going to be expected to do. And then being kind of put on the spot. And having to do it while I'm also distracted with my other kids. I think that was really the, I just had to circle back to that. Cause yeah. it was like, yeah, like, I don't want to be a grump about it. Um, but it just always felt like, why am I doing this? This isn't what I'm here for. Well, I think you, you landed on it because mommy and me is something that should not be uh, surprised or forced upon you. <laughs> like <Right>. I definitely, <laughs> I, we loved music together when we did music together. I did that for years. So I've definitely done mommy and me programs, but those have been things I have chosen to do and, uh, you know, opted into. And if you are, if you do find yourself like at a birthday party or somewhere where there is adult participation, I can see that being awkward. So I didn't take it that way, but I totally see the desire to, um, (laughs) provide an addendum addendum (laughs) on that. Well, I guess before we wrap, I just was going to offer like a couple ways the library figures into my life now that I would not have guessed. But one is I am basically our elementary school librarian. I mean, I don't have that title. I am not a librarian and I didn't go to library school, but I am the the main volunteer in our school library. And we actually share a, a school library with another, a totally separate school that we share a campus with. Um, so that's kind of interesting. A little bit of politics there. Um, but I have learned a lot about kind of like how to teach kids how to use the library. And I, I really like it. I mean, I really, it keeps me in a library of some kind talking to kids about books almost once a week or every other week. So it's, and it's not something I like, I kind of, kind of fell into it. Um, but I love it. And then the kids and I go to our local branch. I am, we don't have a set schedule, but like every other week probably. And one thing I'll say about the way we use the library now that's so different is I make, I make heavy use of online um, reserves. So I'm on the library website reserving books. My kids will get into a series and I'll go online and put the next ones on hold. And then I get an email when they're ready. So it's very like transactional now. It's like placing Mm. an Amazon order or something. I'm, I'm in there all the time, renewing things, reserving things. So sometimes when we go in, we're just going to get our, our holds that have come in, um, and grab them and check them out and leave. But sometimes we go and browse. Um, and then we also do all of the digital loaning. So you can get e books and audiobooks for free on your device without ever going in. So that's like, wow. we do that yeah. for audiobooks. And so it's all changed a lot. I don't know. You, just last week on the show, you talked about you and Clara have a little, a little yeah, routine. Yeah, we do. Now. Yeah. And it works. It works really well. Like there's just a certain time of week that we go um, when cleaners are here. Right now it's every other week, but I think I would like to actually maybe start going every week again. I like getting in that rhythm and then you can get in and out a little faster and do something else along with it. Um, but I'm finding again that I'm using the library for, for reading for fun. And I didn't do that for a long time. I find it really overwhelming to browse stacks if I don't know what I'm looking for. Me too. I was going to um, ask you yeah. for advice about that. Cause I almost yeah. never really do that. That's why I just go online and reserve what I want. I find that you, you do kind of stumble across some like little gems if you allow yourself to be open to it. And if I'm too, so I've done the same, I've done the same, like I've asked friends for recommendations or my sister, she's great for that. And then I just go and looking for that book, but I live in a small town with a small library. So chances are good. The book that I want's not in, or it's been checked out. It's got like a long waiting period. So sometimes what I'll do is find another book by that author Mm -hmm. that I, and then check that one out instead. Sometimes what I'll do is just like find a book I think I want and then write down like the general area of, you know, where it is in the duodecimal system and then go find something else that's in that section um, I do browse the new, cause they'll always have like a little table out with featured stuff. Yeah. 
and I'll make a point of taking something from the new releases and something from the featured stuff and just try it out. And I, I check out six or seven books. I don't give myself a hard time if I don't even look at two of them. Yeah. Um, and then I just stay on a routine to make sure that they get returned on time. So I don't end up with a huge fee because I've been there before. Yes. We've, we've yeah. talked about that. Although <laughs> I, I've just decided that I look at library fines as like something I'm happy to pay to my, yeah. to my library system within reason. I don't want to be racking it up like 30 bucks a month. I should just probably get some kind of book subscription or something. But when right. it's a few dollars here and there, like, yeah. well, I'd rather pay that to the library than some other thing. So, um, <laughs> well, I will have to start browsing a little bit more. I have a hard it's fun. I, and I didn't for a very, very long time, but I really like the feeling of going home with a shiny, you know, yeah. stack of hardcover books with those glossy plastic covers yeah. and, yeah. um, and just, it feels like a little treat. And then I know there's no stakes involved. I can return it. So I don't have to get into it. It is literally just free, free of charge. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Well, before we wrap up, I would just love to hear from you guys. I'm hopefully this has brought up some library related memories. Maybe some of you guys have been to some of the same libraries we have. Um, so shoot us an email. Hello at the momhour.com. We love hearing your thoughts and I would love to hear your library memories in the show notes. I will link up everything we mentioned specifically that book the library book and also we have a fair amount of podcast episodes on this show that are reading related either reading with kids or um books and reading and katie comes on with me so we have a bunch and i will link those up as well but this was really fun megan we'll talk to you guys on tuesday bye Guess what, Megan? Over 10,000 teens are already using our sponsor, Erica, to help them unplug. That is amazing. Erica, that's Erica with a K, is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug whenever they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. It's so cool how this works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Yeah, you know, teens really get that social media comes with risks, including addiction. And Erica helps them build healthy habits and self-regulation that will benefit them their whole lives. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. Sarah, I have been having just the best time making my new podcast, The Teas Made. I launched back in November, and so far I've covered topics like staying warm on cold winter walks, nurturing creativity, how to be a great host, and even Nordic secrets to loving winter. Well, you know I am fan number one of The Teas Made. It's got such a cozy vibe, and it seems like you've really hit your stride in covering topics like wellness, self-care, comforting rituals and routines, and home and family life. Just look for The Teas Made with Megan Francis wherever you get your podcasts or head to theteasmade.com to find all the episodes.